Well, good morning, Life Church. Let's try that again. Good morning, Life Church. There you go. Much better, much better. I need to, I need to have some of you from second service go to first service to let them know how the 60 seconds is supposed to be done. Great job on that 60 seconds there today. Thank you. Going around, meeting people, and uh, welcoming them here. And also welcome those of you who are online with us. I know uh, many of you choose to be online, and you are there faithfully. So thank you uh, so much as well. And we do want to welcome those of you who are visiting uh, with us as guests uh, today, for the, maybe for the very first time, or maybe you've been here a bunch of times. In the uh, seat back in front of you, there's a, there's a blue card that says, I'm new, and you can fill that out, and uh, you can take that uh, back to the back in our lobby area. And we've got a gift for you today. So let's welcome those who are visiting with us uh, today. <laughs> Remember, you're a guest one time, and then after that, you're family. So welcome, welcome back. So. I uh, just want to say, how was, uh, how was everybody's uh, Valentine's, uh, Valentine's week, we'll just call it. Valentine's, great, yeah. All right, yeah, to be going, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you got to be honest with yourself sometimes, right? Um, but I uh, just wanted to say thank you to, uh, to Rich and Josie uh, for last week. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for uh, giving us just a moment, kind of an insight. 46 and a half years of marriage is just beautiful, and uh, we were able to celebrate that uh, with them, and just so grateful for uh, their input into each one of our lives uh, this last weekend. So it gives us something to shoot for in our own, uh, in our own marriages. So, all right. So today, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 7, uh, beginning at verse 14. And if you've got your smart devices, uh, you can look at it on there, follow along. And we're beginning at Mark chapter 7. And got a lot to get through today. And so we're going to just jump right into this. And uh, stick with me uh, to the very end of this uh, today. Uh, it's going to take us a little bit of a journey to get to the end, but I really believe God has something for us once we get to the uh, end of the service today. Uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 14, and we're going to be talking about uh, some things that I don't know if I've ever really kind of dug into in a, uh, in a Sunday morning service like this, and so this should be, uh, should be fun and interesting for us. Here we go. Verse 14. It says, then he called the crowd again and said to them. So because the word starts with then, it means something has happened before this. And so we're going to get to that in just a moment. So he called the crowd again to them or and said to them, listen to me, everyone, and understand. So Jesus is calling attention to what he's going to say. There is nothing outside of a person that can defile him by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles him. What is Jesus talking about here? This isn't the normal thing that we uh, typically talk about on a Sunday morning. It certainly is unusual to us. We don't speak like this, so we need to get to some context here to understand what Jesus is trying uh, to unpack. So Jesus had just had a confrontation with religious leaders. If you've read the Bible, read anything of the Gospels, uh, you will know that these, the names behind these religious leaders would be things like Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and teachers of the law. These were all the religious leaders. Now, the religious leaders didn't like Jesus. Uh, over and over again, we find, especially in the first part of the book of Mark that we've been reading here, Mark 1 through 7, uh, that there are confrontation after confrontation after confrontation, and they are trying to trap Jesus. They don't have Jesus' best in mind. They're trying to do everything they can to stop this guy from, uh, from teaching uh, because Jesus didn't back down 
from the things that he knew was right. He taught with authority. He would push buttons when he needed to. How many of you have people in your life that push your buttons? <laughs> okay, from time to time, that's a, good, that's a good thing, right? You know, Jesus was able to push buttons and uh, would get the Pharisees to question even what they were believing and what they were teaching. And so they were upset at Jesus because of something that his disciples did. And in this particular instance, um, Jesus was pressing this issue then with the religious leaders. They were upset at something that his disciples did. And Jesus, uh, doing what Jesus usually does with the religiously minded, he takes them directly uh, to really the heart of the issue. He, he starts pushing against what they're teaching. And so this is what the problem was. And when I tell you what the problem was, you might think to yourself, oh, this is just a small issue. But to the Pharisees, this was not a small issue. And so here's, here's what went down. They're getting ready to eat some food, and the disciples of Jesus didn't wash their hands. And the religious leaders were freaking out, okay? Now, how many of you wash your hands before eating food? All right, this is a good thing, and I encourage you to do this. But there's a big difference between what the religious leaders were asking and what was actually happening in our world today. So we've got to get in the mindset of those who were back in the first century, which is a long time ago, and they were first century Jews. And so they had a set of rules and regulations that you had to live by, these external rules that if you followed them, then your relationship with God was right. And one of those rules was you had to wash your hands in order to be right before God so that you could then properly eat the food that was before you. So there was a religious commandment put uh, on there for relationship with God uh, when it came to eating your food. That's very different than the reason why we wash our hands. I remember growing up, my mom was like, wash your hands. I still, you know, we still tell our grown adult children, almost adult children, wash your hands. How many of you have to be reminded to wash your hands, right? Wash your hands before you eat because you got bugs and bacteria on your hands. Wash them, get clean, and then, wait, you just petted the dog, so go wash your hands again before you eat your food because we want to be healthy. But it has nothing to do with religious purity in our standing with God, but that's what it was for the first century Jew. So, Jesus had had a conversation with the Pharisees. They're mad at Jesus and his disciples for not washing their hands, and so Jesus now picks up the conversation, and that's why he now calls all of the crowd together, and he says, he's had a private conversation with the Pharisees and religious leaders. He gets the crowd together, and it's, it's kind of like to make this big point um, and he says, you know, listen to me, everyone. You understand that, you know, it's, uh, he says, there's nothing outside of a person that can defile him by going in. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles him. Seems a bit confusing, right? And, you know, for, for us, and if you're confused right now, it's okay. Because the disciples, they heard all of this going on. They were there in the conversation with the Pharisees. They hear what Jesus says to the crowd. And the next thing that Jesus does, now remember, these are the disciples. These are the ones who are closest to Jesus. If Jesus had had a church, they would be there every single Sunday. And you would expect them to know something of what Jesus was saying. But they were confused. And this is where Jesus picks it up. So he pulls the disciples again with him. And now Jesus, verse 17, had left the crowd and entered the house. His disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, are you so foolish? 
Jesus says this to his disciples. How many of you, it takes more than one time to learn something? <laughs> right? Okay, this is what's happening with the disciples. Think about this. They've now been with Jesus probably about a year and a half. This is not the first time they've heard Jesus push against some of the rules and regulations that the, uh, the Pharisees were teaching. He's like, are you guys so foolish you don't quite get it yet? So we are in very, very good company with these disciples if we have to be taught something more than one time. And then he goes on. He says, don't you understand that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? For it does not enter his heart, think about, or just kind of hold on to this idea of the heart. We're going to get to it in just a moment. Uh, For it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and then goes out into the sewer. I don't need to explain what he's talking about there, okay? Um, And then there's this parenthetical statement by Mark, who's, who's writing this. He said, this means that all foods are clean. And so Jesus, in, in all of this process, that you know, the Pharisees are upset that the disciples didn't eat before, um, or I'm sorry, didn't wash their hands before eating, that made the food unclean, right? And so when they ate that food, now that food is unclean, now they're ritually impure, and now they can't have a right relationship with God. That's what the Pharisees were saying, and Jesus was saying, no, 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 it doesn't quite work like that. And so in this moment, Jesus is actually doing something astounding for those who lived in the first century and were Jews. Jesus was calling, as Mark says, calling all foods clean. Now for us, this is not a big deal because we eat all foods, generally speaking. Now one thing that Jesus wasn't doing here, and he's not talking about nutrition here, but one thing Jesus wasn't doing here is saying that all, all foods were healthy. <laughs> That's not what he was saying because um, how many of you ever have, you've been like in a, in a depressed mood It's kind of been a rough day for you, and you pull out a half gallon of ice cream, and you eat the whole thing. Anybody ever been there before? Okay, Jesus wasn't saying that was okay. (laughs) That's not what he's getting at, because that is not healthy, okay? That's not a way to live your life. If you were to go to only have a diet at Rodizio and just eat meat all the time, and that's all you ate, probably not going to be real good for your body, okay? All sorts of bad things can happen. You need something called a balanced diet. How many of you would, would admit that, that you do not eat a, a balanced, healthy diet? Anybody willing to do that? I'm raising my hand right with you. There are certain foods that I like way more than I should and certain foods that I don't like enough. Vegetables at times. We had, we had Brussels sprouts last night. My life is complete. And they were good. It was fantastic, right? So, so Jesus in this moment is not talking about nutrition and things like that, declaring them clean. Okay, that's not it. It was this ritual, the sense that they had to eat a certain way, had to wash their hands a certain way so that they would be in a right relationship with God. Now, I do want to eat as healthy as I can because I want to be ready for if God calls me to do something, I want to make sure that I'm as physically ready as I can be. And so that's a, that's a good thing to do in our lives. But the bottom line is that food choices do not make us closer to God or further removed from him, right? So that's, that's not the point of what's, what's happening here. So to understand what's going on here, though, the true depth of it, we need to look at the next thing that Jesus says. And remember, this is, well, this gets incredibly tough for us because we like to have systems set up that make us look like we're really spiritual and make it look like that we've got everything together, that on the outside, it looks like 
just like with the, you know, we washed our hands, everything is good, right? But this is incredibly tough. And so Jesus is talking to the disciples. Jesus is talking to those who faithfully attend church. Jesus is talking to those who've kind of got it all together. And this is what he says. Um, Verse 20 through 23, he said, what comes out of a person defiles him. For from within, out of the human heart, right? Remember he said, you know, before the food doesn't enter the heart, it enters the stomach and then is passed out. Uh, So he's dealing with the heart. For from within, out of the human heart comes evil ideas, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, evil, deceit, debauchery, envy, slander, pride, folly. What a list. And Jesus said, all of that comes out of the human heart. All of these evils come from within, and it's this that defiles a person. It comes from this human heart of ours. Now, the heart in first century Judaism Uh, That would be the context for what was uh, the original listeners to this, right, for the original Jews. When Jesus would talk about the heart, he's obviously not talking about our physical heart, but what he's talking about is the center of our will, the kind of the decision point of our life. This is what the filter that we run our life through, Jesus is saying that filter is broken because that filter has all of this stuff naturally in it. So big question. Does our external life reflect this internal reality? We don't want it to, right? That's not a, not a good list going me. Yes, I want sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, evil. I want all of these things just revealed in my life. <laughs> but that's the reality of what's in us. We become really good at justifying our decisions. We become really good at justifying why we do things because, man, this battle is real. We face this every day of our life. Wake up in the morning, it's on our minds. Go to sleep at night, it's on our minds, this battle that we face. And in fact, a little bit earlier when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees in Mark chapter 7, verse 6, he's actually quoting Uh, a prophet from the Old Testament. This prophet's name is Isaiah. And Isaiah had some very, very tough things to say about the people of Israel. And Jesus quotes this scripture for the Pharisees that he's talking to in that moment. And I think that that echo happens to us way more often than we would care to admit. And this is what Jesus says. Remember, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The outside looks really good, but there's something wrong with the inside. And we can say that of us because we put up, um, uh, we put up these a- external things that make us look really, really like we've got it together. We set up rules and regulations in our life that make it look like to everybody else we've got it together, but on the inside, what Jesus said to the Pharisees is true of us as well. And we we honor God with our lips. We give lip service, but we are far from God on the inside. This is a condition of us when we're left alone. This is our best. 
right? And this is going to come out in our lives. So how do we deal with the heart? This becomes the question that Jesus wants the Pharisees to deal with. When he's talking to his disciples, this disciples, this is, this is what you need to deal with because these external things are having no effect upon the heart. Uh, Jeremiah, another Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, this is what he says of the heart. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. That doesn't give us a lot of hope. <laughs> Who can understand it? And then he speaks for the Lord. He says, I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. To that I say, yikes. Because <laughs> our heart left to itself is going to produce all the things that we just went through. All those evil desires. It's there. It's ready to come out. Um... And this is why Jesus is pushing back against the Pharisees. Because he sees through it. He sees through the reality that these external laws do nothing to reach the heart. So external laws and rules are powerless to alter the heart. You realize that? All these external, they're, they're powerless. They're powerless to change our hearts. Um, so it's kind of like this, and, and for, um, for Jesus and the disciples and kind of the religious expression they had on that day, it was kind of like, um, you know, you, you've, you've got to clean your hands, and then you'll be pure and right standing before God, and so there's a pure area of your life, but is it dealing with the heart? I think of one rule that I had many years ago, um, and at the time it made a lot of sense, and, and don't get upset, I'm going to be, I'll explain it here in just a second. Um, the, I had this big rule in, in my life that I had other leaders uh, do as well that was uh, no rated R movies ever, <laughs> right? As if that was somehow by that standard going to deal with the heart. It doesn't. What, I mean, what, you think about all the things that we have about what not to do, and those things are powerless to deal with the heart. And we look really good on the outside, right? But our heart is still in a position that we're broken. We haven't dealt with that evil desire, the lust, <laughs> all the stuff that we just read through a moment ago that Jesus was revealing is in our hearts. Those external things don't do anything for, our, for us. And the heart exerts influence on the things that we actually allow in. Because we have this world around us that is, uh, that, that is constantly pressuring us, right? And we can blame the world. The world is so tough, I desire what the world has. That's really not what it is. It's all of these options are out there for us. And our heart is saying, I want that. And so from our hearts, all of these evil desires start to build, right? From our heart, all of these things are coming out, and we find in the world a way to fulfill that desire of our hearts. It's our heart's fault. Um, I'm going to invite Debbie to come on up here and help me real quick, kind of refill all the areas that I did, because I think God wants to speak something to us that's going to help us deal with our hearts.
So Romans chapter 7, there's this incredible passage in Romans chapter 7, and you can go ahead and yeah, just start scribbling away, make it a beautiful piece of art that we're going to deal with in just a moment. Um, so Romans chapter 7 is this, um, uh, Paul writes it uh, to the church in Rome, or from, from Rome, and uh, he's, he's asking some really, really tough questions in trying to get to the bottom of the matter when it comes to our lives and the decisions that we make. He says this in Romans chapter 7. But sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, so don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, sin is inside of us. Sin produced in me all kind of wrong desires, right? So out of this heart comes this desire that we have to do wrong things because sin is within us. Sin has wreaked havoc in our lives. Sin... Man, puts, puts us in this position where what we want are things that are far away from God's best in our life. Sin has brought death. It's brought selfishness. That tough list of Jesus to our life that through the center of who we are. And Paul continues in Romans 7, verse 18. And this is, uh, this is a picture of the struggle that all of us face. So Romans chapter 7, verse 18, the desire to do good is inside of me. How many of you want to do good, right? We want to do good, right? But I can't do it because our hearts are just broken. I don't do the good that I want to do, but I do the evil that I don't want to do. But if I do the very thing that I don't want to do, then I'm not the one doing it anymore. Instead, it's sin that lives in me that's doing it, right? I've got a desire to do good, but I can't do good because this heart is so broken and so full of sin. So I find that as a rule, when I want to do what is good, evil is right there with me. I gladly agree with the law on the inside, but I see a different work or a different law at work in my body. It wages war against the law of my mind and takes me prisoner with the law of sin that is in my body. There's this big struggle, right? And at the end, he says, I am a miserable human being. How many of us feel this way? I want to do differently, but for some reason, I am always choosing to do the opposite of what I know is right. Well, that's beautiful, Debbie. Thank you. That is fantastic. That is, we're going we're gonna to sell this on eBay, make millions of dollars. That's going to be beautiful. <laughs> that's great. Thank you so much. Let's give Debbie a hand for filling that back in there. Thank you. She filled in all the bad things of the world. That was very, very nice. So he says, I'm a miserable human being. Who will deliver me from this dead corpse? Right? Because the sin, all that it produces in our life is death. It produces broken relationships. If we do everything that Jesus said in that list, there's sexual morality, evil, greed, I mean, all of that stuff, what's that going to lead to in this life? Right? Death. What's it going to lead in the next life? Death as well. And so Paul asks, who will deliver me? I love it. he doesn't ask what will deliver me because <laughs> those would just be more rules and regulations. He says, who will deliver me? This becomes the ultimate issue of what Jesus is dealing with, right? That we are broken and miserable and we can't change ourselves. 
Because every time we try to change ourselves, we end up in the same boat. Everything, though, points to Jesus. He is the answer for us. Um, and I love it at the end of all of that. I'm a miserable human being. What, what, how am I going to deal with this? At the end, in verse 25, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is how it is dealt with. I can't do this on my own, but Jesus alone brings life. Now, I know that I'm jumping ahead quite a bit in this kind of where I'm, where I'm headed with this. But Jesus leaves the teaching hanging, right? So after he says this about the heart, he says all of these things come out of the heart, then Mark jumps in the story and just begins, you know, moving on. And so, the, you know, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he stops there and says, hey, all these bad things in the heart because he's proving the point that all the external things don't deal with the heart. Now, if we continue to read through the gospel, we recognize that Jesus lived a life where all those matters of the heart were dealt with. He didn't live a sinful life. He lived a sinless life. And Jesus explains through his life <laughs> that he's the only one that can deal with this heart of ours that is so prone to wonder. And there's this time in Israel, um, back in the book of Ezekiel, so again, back all the way into the Old Testament, this prophet Ezekiel, uh, this is what he says that God is going to do. And he's speaking for God here. He says, uh, God is saying, I will sprinkle you with pure water and you will be clean from your impurities. Isn't this, this what we long to have in our lives? Right standing with God in a position where our relationships with our fellow human beings is right, that there is honor, there's dignity, there's respect, there is, there's love for one another. We want this in our lives. And God says he's the one who will sprinkle clean water on us and make us clean. He says, I will purify you from all your idols, from everything else that you worship that's not God. I'm going to purify you from that. And then he says this, and this is the kicker for us. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you the heart of stone from your body, and, and this heart of stone is that, that heart that doesn't respond to God. It's that heart that kind of pushes against God. God says, I'm going to do something supernatural in you and remove that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That heart of flesh is responsive to God. And it says, I will put my spirit within you. It says, I will take the initiative. Because he knows that this heart on its own is not going to choose God. He takes the initiative, provides the opportunity for us to choose. And he says, and you will obey my statutes and carefully observe my regulations. God is doing something in the heart of humanity. It's his initiative to change our hearts of stone that are unwilling to change and give us a heart of flesh that's willing to respond to God. And so this is kind of what happens now. This is kind of the story that uh, is being told. God gives us a new heart. And this new heart is now clean and right and pure. Right? And so now all of a sudden, all the stuff that's on the outside, all of that, God says, I'm putting my spirit within you. And now all of a sudden, what happens is, is starting from the heart, God begins to work outward. And our lives are now in a position of purity and right standing before God. And he's able to take all of the sin, all the brokenness, all the hurt and the pain caused by these hearts of ours that are prone to sin. Right? And he gives us a clean slate. 
right? But only because of what Jesus did. Remember I said, you know, we got to jump ahead a little bit here to understand what Jesus was ultimately revealing. And in fact, beginning in Mark chapter 8, so right after this, there's a turn that happens in the book of Mark. Up to this point, Jesus, you know, it's kind of like, all right, who is this guy? Who, who is this Jesus? Now, once we get to Mark chapter 8 next week, Jesus is starting to reveal himself as the Messiah. He's starting to put himself in a position, say, hey, guys, I, I'm more, there's something more to what I am telling you than just nice teachings. All of a sudden, Jesus is like, you've seen the power, you've seen the authority. Now, you're going to see me revealed as the Messiah, and I'm the one that can deal with this heart that is broken and sinful. And we find out beginning next week is Jesus starts alluding to something called the cross. And the cross is a place of death, a place of punishment. And the Bible reveals that Jesus died on a cross. Remember, he was sinless. <laughs> there was nothing in him uh, that was of that list that we had of the heart. He lived a sinless, perfect life. And yet he died on the cross. Why did he do that? To make our hearts pure. To put us in a position where our hearts now are redeemed by him. To get us in a position of purity before him. Because without him, our hearts are dark. Without him, our lives are a mess. Now, once Jesus comes into our lives, does that mean everything is perfect right away? No. <laughs> There's still little marks on there. I don't know if you can see that, right? There's still little marks on there. We recognize that the battle is still active in our lives. But now it says that he's put his spirit within us. And that empowers us to live the life of Christ. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet today. So this radical transformation within us, right, that starts in the heart. It starts from the inside out rather than outside in. It starts from the inside out. This transformation is made available through the power of the Spirit of Christ. And uh, this, uh, this pesky heart of ours that, uh, well, there's a great old hymn uh, that says this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take and seal it with thy spirit from above. We need the Spirit of Christ to be within us so that we're in a position to be able to receive the purity that Christ has for us. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads as we uh, finish out uh, today. You're here this morning, you would say, Pastor, I have uh, tried on my own. Uh, in fact, I put all sorts of rules and regulations to try to keep me pure, but for some reason, they always fail. For some reason, the, my heart gets the best of me, and, uh, and I end up making decisions that do not bring glory to God, but bring shame that bring hurt, that reveal sin in my life. And you'd say, I know that I need Jesus in a new way in my life. I know that I need him to, to give me that clean heart, to take from me a heart of stone. I, I feel so like I have just pushed God away, 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 and I need a heart of flesh that I can respond to what God is doing in my life. You'd say, Pastor, I need that heart renewed in me today. If that's you, can you just lift your hand really quickly? Thank you, thank you. Boy, lots of hands up, lots of hands up. You are not alone. I love this, right? That you're not alone. And so I'm going to invite everybody to repeat just a very, very simple prayer after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you 
for changing my heart. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins to put me back in right relationship with the Father. Jesus, forgive me. Make me new. And give me a new heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome those who have uh, made a decision, perhaps for the very first time today. Very quickly, in the seat back in front of you, there's a green card, and on the green card is a place you can put your name down. And also, let us know that you've made a decision for Christ. Maybe it's a first-time decision or it's a rededication uh, to the Lord, but we would love to walk with you uh, on the beginning steps of your journey. And so please uh, fill that out, and you can give it to uh, at, at our information booth out in the lobby uh, as well. But let me pray over you and ask God's blessing on you as we leave uh, from service today. Father, I'm so grateful that, God, you've given us an opportunity to, uh, to really evaluate our hearts before you. And, God, it's so easy for us to look from the outside in. And, God, on the outside, maybe it looks like we've got it all together. But, Lord, our hearts are still far from you. But, God, let it be that today that this story is reversed. And that, God, you start from the inside out and you make us new. That, God, you put your spirit within us and you've empowered us to choose you and to choose righteousness. So God, I ask that you would give us boldness. And God, as we leave from this place today, help us to be able to minister to this world around us that's broken and hurting. Their hearts are darkened, but Lord, you have put within us a new heart, so help us to be able to share the gospel of Christ with those who are nearby. Lord, we love you. We praise you. God, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. And we will see you next week, continuation of our series.